0: Well, hello, kids, and welcome to episode number 10. Yes, that's double digits of the Eager Beaver podcast, a podcast providing incisive commentary on Canadian politics and general culture. And welcome to the True North Eager Beaver Pride episode two, Too Proud, Too Curious. I've been waiting forever to use that one, can you tell? (laughs) Today, recording day is Monday, July 26th, 2021. And after a hot and humid day, it's a cooler evening here at the Beaver Lodge, for which I'm grateful considering I've been melting. We are... (laughs) I'm your host, the eager reaver, and I'm vibrating like a tuning fork of joy to know that you, my dear, dear kids, have decided to stay up for the after party. Whether you are glued to the screen watching the Olympics, cheering for Canada, or going for gold in your own way, all are welcome. So many athletes have made us so proud already. Go, Canada, go! Of course, a big thank you goes to our podcast's founding sponsors, The Peppermaster, the Miss V Mysteries from Corbid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com, who have all not yet run away streaming because it's always nice to know people enjoy being around you. On today's episode, it's still all about pride. As you likely know, June was Pride Month and the 53rd anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, which took place from June 28th to July 3rd, 1969. So we'll be presenting a collection of rainbow-themed stories in this episode. In addition to those stories this week, our coast-to-coast-to-coast COVID update, our discussion this week will be about whether we still need Pride parades in 2021 and a wrong that was made right, and... We promise that this time we will bring you our interview with CBC Sportscaster Devin Haru, who currently is all over your screens. So, kids, put on your face, get yourself looking fierce, and drag your fan booty to the stage because...
1: You thought it was over, but we've got more.
0: Here we go! So... Before we go any further, it's time to welcome this podcast's fine and friendly co-host. You know him, you love him, Mr. Grizzly. Hello, Mr. Grizzly. Hey, Mr. Beaver, how you doing? I am sticky and gross. (laughs) How are you?
1: Yeah, much the same way. It's uh, hot and sweaty here. What can I say? Um, Not complaining, not complaining, just stating a simple fact. You see, here's the thing. Here, Here's here's the way I see it, you know. I don't have to scrape heat and humidity off my windshield in the morning when I go to work. <laughs> nor do I shovel a pathway to get to it or put on 16 layers of clothing. So, no, I don't have a problem with hot weather.
0: Uh, mm, I do. <laughs> <laughs> to each uh, their own. It doesn't take anything for a second kids 25 and i start to belt i was not built for this mm. uh, see
1: I'm a, I'm a winter sports guy though you know i love to ski skate play hockey Yep. i just i don't like Same the here. cold though i don't like the cold oh
0: huh. oh interesting um have you been checking out the olympics a bit so far
1: oh hell yeah, oh, yeah i jumped I, up I, off the couch last night when uh, maggie mclean uh oh, Mc, McLean, mcneil mcneil i know right <laughs> when she won that medal i I jumped up off the couch and started screaming then i'm like okay maybe i should be quiet i have to go to bed shortly it's getting late <laughs> i
0: i was doing the same thing and it was like and, and, and that race was so close to oh me because goodness. like when they touched the wall it's like it was like often it's clear but there was like this line so was like was oh yeah it her? was it you don't know and the, then the one popped up and it was like yes <laughs> i mean she
1: she really is they said she's uh second half is her best half and i mean yeah she hit the turn in seventh place and then yeah, won the gold medal like wow that's crazy eh? oh yeah oh wow. yeah like i i i used to swim when
0: uh when i was younger and i was, like the fly was my stroke that's the one i, I loved i was i think we had a uh, it was just a recreational team like this mm-hmm. but we had like 140 members and i was the
1: only one on the team who swam the 200 fly oh, no yeah. one liked it I I was never 100 but still I was a I was never a butterfly swimmer I was a freestyle or a breaststroke Mm. Uh, breaststroke those were my my two best breaststroke is my best I don't know why I think it's because uh turning my head for um freestyle Mm. disorients me a bit you know how you're always turning whereas breaststroke I'm just going up and down you think butterfly would be the same because it's similar in that but my shoulders just can't handle that so
0: yeah. No, our swimmers have been making us really proud. I mean, it's like the, the women's relay got the medal and then Maggie McNeil got the medal and the four by 100 men's finished fourth and Summer oh, yes. McIntosh finished fourth in the 400. And, and she's some, 14. Else she she's 14. 14. like Yeah. <laughs> like this. And there was like, and just by a little bit. And then there was like another fifth place. It's, 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 the pool has been great. The oh, divers yeah. have been doing well too. Oh yeah. Uh, Jennifer like and yeah, and we've got, you know, one medal outside the pool out of, from judo so mm-hmm. far, which is good. So, uh, but uh, men, what you doing? <laughs> well,
1: uh, <laughs> Devin called it. He said our women are going to kick some serious butt. And I'm like, yeah, I believe you, because yeah. that's what our women do when they go to the Olympic Games. Whether it's yep. winter or summer, they succeed and exceed. Uh, and that's why, we've, you know, on on our on on the blog page i
0: keep on having this heading called canadian
2: girls kick ass," because they
0: just do they do ah um i have some news what's that uh as the you know our listeners know i sometimes do a little bit of acting Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: uh i um scored uh what might be the biggest audition of my life oh fantastic yeah on uh friday so just four days, mm-hmm. uh, even though we're preparing a whole other play <laughs> that's going on uh, on online. Uh, we'll go in live on the 5th and we'll be de- available online for people who want to see it starting the 2nd. Uh, yeah, uh, there's uh, one professional theater company where I am mm-hmm. and uh, they put out an audition and they only have two days worth of audition and they're auditioning for their whole season at once. Wow! And uh, all they wanted was a CV. Uh, no picture, no acting reel, no nothing. Just a really? CV. Yep. And And uh, I've been doing, you know, community theater and stuff like that for about 38 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, every now and then the past while, someone's been throwing money at me now and then for a show, but I've never had like a fully professional show. Right. Full production. Uh, and I've never been invited to the party, even like to audition. Uh, so I sent it in and they sent me something. They said, we would love to see you. So all of a sudden I've got two monologues to prepare and I'm crossing my fingers.
1: Break all the I legs.
0: Think, yeah, it would be so, you know what, it's like when they, like 38 years, I've paid dues. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> mm-hmm. it would be like, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But it's really nice to just be invited to the party because that's new.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. So definitely. It's it's like uh, the hard work that's been put in feels like it's beginning to pay off, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was paying me off before, like, you know, so, you know, I got a couple of shows and. I think it was in 2017 I got my first show that actually had like some union credits in Quebec with the UDA. Oh fantastic. But but I mean I don't have an agent or anything, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean I'm just, you know, knocking on doors and like, can I come and play? And some people say yes (laughs) and some people say no. But this one this is this is like this is serious. Oh, that's
1: outstanding. So yeah. Remember me when you're famous. (laughs) I have to. (laughs) You will have helped. (laughs) Uh, I guess, sure. I'm one of the little people.
0: Oh, well, in my world, you're a BFD, my friend. (laughs) Real BFD. Cool. (laughs) Shall we get to the news then? I believe we shall. All right, let's do this.
1: Coast to coast to coast COVID Roundup.
0: On the COVID front, kits, things in Canada have kind of stagnated when it comes to bending
1: our curve. Last week, we stated, things may still look quite good in Canada until the end of July or early August. If a fourth wave is to hit us, the best of my estimation, this is about when we'd start seeing more concrete signs of it.
0: We had also reported that there had been a few upward blips here and there, but that the national seven-day rolling active cases number continued to drop. Having just crossed under the 3000 barrier to 2677. Well, since then, that number has bounced between that low of 2677 and 3038. For weeks now, we've been worrying that our national three stooges, Pally, Kenny, Mo, were setting the stage for our fourth wave. We were worried especially about Jason, best summer ever, Kenny's personal healthscape of Alberta from which medical professionals are fleeing because he couldn't reopen fast enough and has been going hog wild since Canada Day and jacked up the crazy for
1: Stampede. We stated that we were keeping a vigilant eye out for a potential Canada Day Stampede spike around the 22nd, possibly picking up steam around the 29th. Well, on the evening of July 24th,
0: so that would be right on schedule, we started seeing reports in the media that the test positivity rate and the R rate started to climb in Alberta around July 14th. The current R rate in Alberta is now above one, which means each infected person is starting to spread virus to more than just one other person. We've also started hearing disturbing and frightening reports of discrepancies in reporting of numbers that, if true, would disguise the fact that a threefold increase in infection rates has been recently noticed in Alberta. It also seems that wastewater sampling analysis data for Calgary is showing that the growth in spread and growth in Delta variant presence started around July 4th or 5th, thus prior to the stampede, thanks to Bumble's quick start reopening, and that the stampede will have simply just added fuel to the fire. If things get bad, and Bumble starts haplessly pretending, or pretend asking, But, 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 but
1: who could have known?
0: Just remember the answer is everybody. Hmm? Clearly, Jason Kenney is drawing inspiration from thankfully former President Voldemort and is just as determined to kill us all. Since our last show, the recent seven-day low of 265 cases has nearly doubled to 484. That's an 83% increase. In Saskatchewan, the number is up from 173 to 250. That's 44.5%. Manitoba is a bit down, 15% from last week, but they were stragglers. So they've gone from 326 to 278. But BC is more than making up for it, up by 70% from 300 to 511. For the four Western provinces, the case number is up 459 or up 43% over the past nine days. <laughs> hmm. Atlantic Canada is the place to be right now. Active cases in all four provinces combined have gone down from 45 days ago to just 17 today. That's huh. nice. That's yeah. nice. Things are also still going well overall in the territories, with the Northwest Territories and Nunavut still being COVID-free, and Yukon still doing a good job of controlling the very nasty gamma variant that was particularly hard on yet unvaccinated children, and is proving to be tenacious with 49 active, active cases. It was 41 nine days ago. In Ontario, the seven day number has not yet dropped from four to three digits, and a floor may have been hit there too, with the number standing at 1,111. The stage three reopening that started four days early on July 16th may very well prove to be one step too many. The situation in the province of Quebec continues to slowly but surely improve. Nine days ago, its number had dropped to below 500 to 476, and today a further drop to 338 was reported. But the international news continues to be worrisome. The UK hit a current wave seven-day average high of 47,114 cases on July 21st, but growth appears to now have been stopped. The USA's number is at 51,139 and starting to skyrocket, with over 40% of the cases being in Florida, Tennessee, Missouri, and Arkansas specifically. With the overwhelming majority of cases being in states that voted for Orangina the awful. If it holds true that the pattern, no, let's try again. If holds true the pattern that that which hits the UK hits the USA three weeks later, and then hits us three weeks after that, our current numbers may be as good as it gets for the next while, kids. The lowest one-day new infection rate number we've hit since our third-wave lockdown was 281 on July 19th. That has since increased to 600. In good news on the vaccination front, the New England Journal of Medicine published a study stating that vaccinations are 88% effective in preventing symptomatic disease. Worldwide, over 25% of the globe's population has now received at least one shot. And by the time this episode airs, 70% of the Canadian population, or 80% of Canadians 12 and over, will have received their first shot, and we should be just about 50% fully vaccinated, or about 57% for Canadians 12 and over. Please remember Canada that 100% of Canadians 11 years old and younger are not at all vaccinated and that the Delta variant is 1.8 times more communicable than the variant that caused our third wave. This puts children especially at risk for in-home transmission. Mask-wearing guidance will likely soon change to, even if you are fully vaccinated, given children are not, And given the existence of other vulnerable populations, such as the immunosuppressed, the elderly, and those who medically can't take a vaccine, breakthrough infections are still possible, which means you can still spread it. So still wear a mask in enclosed spaces in which you don't know everyone's vaccination status, especially if you happen to reside in an area where
1: infection rates are higher. Yeah, that's sage advice indeed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, that's... Yeah, I just, I'm not surprised at what's going on in Alberta. Uh, I watched a couple of videos, and I saw people at the Stampede. Everybody was in close contact, and nobody was wearing a mask. Yeah. Now, I was out in town on Friday evening in the Bywood Market here in, in Ottawa, mm-hmm. and it looked like Canada Day. Mm. Now, outside, some yeah. people were quite close, but I noticed that people were sort of keeping to their own bubbles. Yep. And a lot of people were wearing masks as they were walking around. Now I'm fully vaccinated, and uh, friends of mine that we met were all fully vaccinated. So you know we're still playing caution. Though it's like when we walk through a restaurant, put the mask on. Yep. When you're grocery shopping, when you're indoors, wear the mask. It's yep. going to help you. I mean, yep. it's it's entirely possible any of us could contract it, but the thing is, we won't really get that sick, no, if at no. all right if at all yeah. uh, and we won't die we won't up, end up in the hospital and we won't be in the icu but mm-hmm. if you've not had a vaccination it's very likely that you will end up hospitalized yeah or worse
0: yep yeah. yeah that's true i guess and even if you are vaccinated and you happen to be one of the unfortunate people who does have a breakthrough vaccination you will be carrying a decent amount of virus to shed with this particular variant so it's you know you just if there are people in your circle that are not yet vaccinated that you really love stay away you should probably be in a prolonged stage two yeah oh yeah yeah
1: and that's your coast to coast to coast covid roundup we'll be
0: back soon with our main story welcome back kids. The LGBTQ2 movement has come a long way since the 1980s. We now have charter protections, hate speech, hate crime protections, pension benefits, equal marriage, and equal divorce, adoption rights, etc. We got it made, right? The struggles over, right? Uh, No. Over the recent while the community has endured attacks on the issues of as discussed in our first Pride episode, conversion therapy, but there's also been bathroom bills, high school sports bills, not to mention how the international sporting community has for years harassed and humiliated South African track and field 800 meter specialist, Castor Semenya, the high murder rate among the transgender population, youth homelessness. It is estimated that 40% of youth on the street are LGBTQ2 kids rejected by their parents who have forgotten that they've got one job and one job only, love your children unconditionally, and the very real fear among our LGBTQ2 elders of having to go way back into the closet after having tasted freedom as they move into retirement homes among their peers and attitudes from a past era. Not to mention the fact that there are still more countries that persecute LGBTQ2 citizens, some even with death, than there are that don't, and that none of us are free and equal until all of us are. There's still much work to be done. But odds are, you happen to know at least one person who keeps on asking, why is it we still need pride parades in 2021? If so, here's a reason. Harbor Grace, Newfoundland and Labrador resident Ken Hare has been fighting CN Rail for about nine years to gain access to his now deceased life partner of 33 years pension benefits. 33 years they were together. Jerry Schwartz, the love of Hare's life, worked for CN for 30 years before his retirement in 1991. Schwartz passed away in 2012. Hare applied for the benefits, but his application was denied on the basis that CN Rail's plan did not recognize same-sex relationships at the time of Schwartz's retirement in 1991. It was only seven years later, in 1998, that CN's pension plan began to include same-sex partners as eligible spouses. That came after a 1985 decision to grant LGBTQ2 citizens rights under the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Based on that inclusion, a 2004 Supreme Court decision made the Canada Pension Plan survivor benefits retroactive to 1985. At that time, many companies made the choice that this decision applied only to public pensions, not private ones, and thus many did not adapt their policies to create parity. CN Rail was one such company. And 17 years after that Supreme Court decision, it still had not fixed this. This is why we still need Pride parades. Well, it still hadn't fixed this until recently. CN will now allow all same sex partners of deceased employees who retired before 1998 to also collect survivor benefits, correcting what it calls.
1: A regrettable lag In updating its pension policies. We sincerely apologize to those impacted. CN has amended the policy. The company has made firm commitments to increasing inclusion and diversity in our workforce, both in Canada and the U.S. We've made it clear that our LGBTQ employees are welcomed, valued, and accorded the same rights and privileges as all our railroad- railroaders. Reads a statement released by CN. After all those years and all the people he had worked with, they still didn't acknowledge the fact that Jerry and I were a couple. We were a couple in every sense of the word. It really did hurt.
0: Affirmed Mr. Hare. In early May of this year, Hare finally received an offer letter from CN officially recognizing him as Schwartz's common-law spouse, granting him the survivor pension for the rest of his life, as well as a lump sum for missed payments in the nine years since Schwartz died, plus interest.
1: Our late employees' life partners who find themselves in this circumstance will be able to collect the survivor benefits of their loved ones retroactively. A preliminary search has identified a small number of similar cases among our pensioners and CN is contacting them to correct their situation.
0: Let this stand as proof, kits, that it is never too late to make things right. And let this serve as a reminder that the most recently acquired gains are also the easiest to lose or have taken away. So as a community, we must always remain vigilant. You
1: are absolutely right about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are the easiest to lose or have taken away. And if you don't stay vigilant, that's exactly what will happen. Yeah. I mean, there's
0: always somebody on the other side, trying to stick in the thin edge of the wedge, right? Yeah. That's what's going on with conversion therapy. Don't even get me started on that. I know, but that's what's going on, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's the thin edge of the wedge. Just give us a little more space to continue being awful. Just allow us a little space. No,
1: you shut that down. Shut it down. Uh, It's like the Spanish Inquisition, right? Yeah. Torturing people because they don't fall in line with your belief system.
0: Yeah. It's just terrible. So, yeah, you know, it's, I, I when I read the story and I found out about it, I was like, like how could this be? I mean, it's seventeen years after the Supreme Court I mean, somebody somewhere made a decision that no, we're not going to do this. And it wasn't until this got coverage in the news mm-hmm. like this at this point in stage, like this, that CN said, Oh yeah, in a couple of days we'll have an answer. But for seventeen years, they had no time for me.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, you shine the spotlight on a terrible thing that you're doing. Oh we'll uh, we'll just do some PR to correct that uh, make a slight course correction here mm-hmm. I was
0: reading in an article that uh, Mr. Hare said that uh, before he got the money I don't know if that changed but before he got to the decision that he was not planning to thank CN if they did that because they were only doing now what they should have done all along. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah and you know what I, I I can't I can't blame the man. It's like mm-hmm. you treated him like dirt.
0: You treated the relationship like it was nothing. Like it didn't exist. Treated an employee that worked for you and gave you
1: 30 years of his life. Yeah, and their relationship was 33 years, right? Until he passed away. So 30 years of his life, 33 of them in a committed relationship with the same person who he loved. And they acted like it didn't exist. Yep.
0: How dehumanizing is that? It's ridiculous. (sighs) But at least it was made right. And the policy is changed because every other person that was affected by that will be set straight. And this is not going to happen to anyone else at CN again. And if there are they other did companies right that are doing this, please fix this.
1: <laughs> uh, look, um, they did a, a terrible thing for a long time, but in the end, they've done the right thing. Yep. Now, it's not like this was... 50 years ago, this was happening, and we know it was happening 50 years ago, but yeah. this was like only what weeks ago, yeah. That they corrected this, yeah, righted this wrong, so they knew about it, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a long way to go, you it's know, a long I, way to
0: go. And when you think about like all the years of his life, because, yeah, okay, sure, he's getting like the nine year retroactive with mm-hmm. interest and in lump sum payment, like this, but that
1: could have been useful to him nine years ago. Who knows how much of a struggle it was, because, you know, when your yeah. partner, who also contributes, you know, to your household, can no longer do that, times are tough, right? Yeah. So, so it's... yeah, he could have used that money nine years ago. Yep. He's got it now, and I'm sure there's some sort of satisfaction there. It's like, okay, I won. Yep. But...
0: I'm just hoping like if there's some place that they've always wanted to go together or something like that, that he's going to treat himself to a, like someplace, I hope so. a nice trip or something like that when he can like this. And like, you know, one of the things I liked about the movie Titanic at the end, like right at the end, when you see the pictures mm-hmm. uh, on her desk, like this, you see all the things that they had planned to do together and, and she, she did, did them, them th- yeah, herself. I yeah. he guess I hope he does that. that
1: I would hope be he That cool. really good rest of life. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, 20, 2019, uh, Pride in Ottawa happens in, that uh, June is observed as Pride Month, but the parade, and the celebration, that doesn't take place until August. Yeah. And there's a reason for that, of course, which we can explain later, but there's yeah. a, a very valid reason for it. And it was, I I learned that a few years back, what the reasoning was. Anyway. Uh, one of my coworkers at the time, uh, they're there, uh, I was uh, doing some work for EDC, and they were putting a, a EDC-sponsored pride float in for the first time. So I set them up with a speaker system and a couple of microphones, that, so they could sit in uh, or as they went along the parade, they could play music and and do things you know, make announcements and just get right into the party. So anyway, I showed up, set up, everything, made sure they were all good. They went, went through the parade, and then I met them afterwards, a, a group of them at the, um, uh, there was a celebration just off Somerset Street. They had a, a full concert, band, DJ, the whole bit. And I remember I was talking to my coworker. I said, you know, I love coming to Pride because it's so much fun, and I love that even, a you know, a, uh, uh, an old <laughs> cisgendered, a hetero dude like me is is welcome. You know, I'm glad that I'm welcome. I said, but I'd like someday for there not to be a reason to need pride. Have it because it's a celebration, Mm -hmm. but it's still very much needed. Like it's needed because of things like that. Mr. You know, just situations such as that, it's still needed. Hopefully, hopefully the day will come When it's not needed anymore, but it's still celebrated because look what we did. Yeah. Right? Yep.
0: From your lips to the creator's ears, my friend.
1: No freedom till we're equal.
0: And with that, kids, uh, we'll take a break. Stay with us. We'll be back. Hey there, Mr. Grizzly.
1: Hey, Mr. Beaver. How you doing?
0: I'm doing really well. Hey, uh, did you get something in
1: the mail lately? Yes, um, Miss V Mysteries. I yeah, I did too. Awesome. Bedside reading. Yes.
0: Um, for those who don't know, the Miss V Mysteries is an LGBTQ plus cozy mystery series written by Delilah Knight. Miss V is 60, trans, and classy, sassy, and a bit smart assy. From her kitten heels to her chic bob, Miss V is a lady through and through. When her late aunt's lawyer is found murdered, and clutching V's favorite Chanel jacket, she is immediately arrested. Can she find the real killer before the local law puts her away for good? Will she be forced to trade 50s rock and roll
1: for jailhouse blues?
0: Do prisons even have a happy hour?
1: Well, none of the ones I've been in. Wait, what? What? There's a
0: story there. No. We'll talk about that after the ad. Miss Fee and the Lettrous Lawyer is the first book in a humorous, cozy mystery series from by Ace author Delilah Knight. On sale now wherever ebooks are sold. Paperback copies are also available or call your local library and ask them to get it in. Signed copies available at www.corvidmoonpublishing.com. That's www.corvidmoonpublishing, all in one word, dot com. The Miss V Mysteries. You need to be reading it. And welcome back, kids. It's time for the interview portion of today's show. And Mr. Grizzly, have we got a treat for our kids today? If you've been checking out the Olympics, you are definitely familiar with our guest because he is all over your TV and computer screens. He quickly has made a name for himself as one of Canada's most popular and insightful sports commentators. And given his off-the-charts EQ, he brings us stories and angles that are fresh and compelling. Kits, please enjoy part of our chat with CBC sportscaster, Devin Haru. Hello, Kits. For this week's interview, um, I am super excited. (laughs) He is, he is. And I believe Mr. Grizzly is as well. Uh, If you've been uh, following us for a while, uh, we've actually talked about him before uh, during our interview with Colin Hodgson. Uh, He's someone that uh, we admire very much uh,
1: because... uh, his passion for the sport is it's is, second to none absolutely i dude i got insi- excited about the sport because watching you and the way you report on it i was like okay this this man is passionate about this yeah i yeah. i can dig it i have and and that's the honest to goodness truth i have never seen anybody more passionate about the sport in my life and it you got me interested in it and, I, and I've been around it my whole life, but I can't tell you a lot about it, okay, And that's the honest to goodness truth. But I've you know, Ed Wernick and the boys, you know, I go back to those days. I'm you know, I'm 53 in a couple of weeks, so I'm getting a little bit older. So yeah, you you the way you report, the way you are so passionate about the sport just it brought me in. I'm like, hey, I can I can dial into this. Yeah. yeah, anybody who has that much passion for something, it's got to be worthwhile as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yep, absolutely. So uh, I'm going to maybe just slide in and maybe a bit of an objection as be being the most passionate about the sport. Yes. <laughs> but <clears throat> that's not the point. It's not a competition. Anyway, no, no. no. Uh, he's a brilliant interviewer mm-hmm. um he gets at things that nobody else gets at he asks questions that nobody else asks um he's he's just mind-blowingly good uh so you know we're, actually we got a bio you know what? we're not going to do that we're just going to go right into it yes uh, this guy he, he you're going to love him, okay? So, it's <laughs> Devin Haru. <laughs> uh and if you've ever listened uh to his podcast, uh you will know exactly what Mr. Grizzly's talking about here. So, welcome Devin. Thank you so much. Indeed, sir. Douglas,
2: Paul, thank you. Um How do I follow that? Um,
1: (laughs) Feel free, man. This is a free flow form. We don't, uh, we don't, we don't categorize or put anything into a box here. It's like, let's just have a chat.
2: So so here's what I'll start with upon reflection of listening to you. And please, I mean, you're showering me with these compliments and I'm flattered by it and humbled by it. Um, When I hear people tell me about the way they consume, how I cover curling It is mind blowing to me that it resonates in the way and the essence that I want it to be consumed. So to me, that hits me in the heart because here's the thing about it. Growing up in Saskatchewan where, you know, long, cold winter nights, we've got the curling rinks and that's where we gather. At the heart of all of this is community. Mm -hmm. So this is what we're really actually talking about. We're talking about community. To me, sport has always been, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this, but sport has always been about the collective experience. So I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now, because when I know there's a big curling game on that Canadians are invested in, I hunker down and I know for the next three hours, every keystroke is going to matter to Canada and beyond for that matter. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing better for me than knowing that I get hundreds, thousands of people who are living and dying on every tweet. To me, it's magic. It happened. It started four years ago. I went into the CBC sports studio. I had a couple of bosses who didn't get curling Didn't really know it. Mm -hmm. Didn't probably grasp what I was trying to convey that I wanted to do. I pitched them that I'm going to the Scotties in St. Catharines. I'm going to the Briar in St. John's. I don't think a lot of people wanted me to be successful because they didn't really know. They didn't get it. Started live tweeting curling with capital letters, sometimes exclamation points, a lot of times typos. And now Ooh. I have my own show, a national, international following. And I think I have the best job in the world. So that's how I'll start. <laughs>
1: well, that's a heck of a way to start. I mean, the passion comes through in every tweet. I mean, it, And honest to goodness, I mean, seeing you live on the CBC and then reading some of your tweets, I'm like, I, I'm suddenly interested in curling.
2: <laughs> that's what that's only what I would ever want. And and. And to that point, it's curling, right? I mean, we're watching 40 plus pounds of granite slide up and down sheets and people yelling at rocks and sweeping. It's quintessentially sort of quirky Canadian. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I get that. I get how niche the audience is. And I play the hell out of that because Mm -hmm. that's relatable. Oh, that's yeah. fun. I try not to take myself too seriously because Lord knows some sports people out there take themselves very seriously. I ain't that. I'm here for a good time. I'm here for curling. I'm here for engagement. And that's how we bring people into the sporting mm-hmm. journey. Go go find out who did a fourth, you know, a fourth line gift. Go find out all the sports cliches. That ain't me. I'm here to entertain. I'm here to be your best friend for three hours during a curling game. What is the role of a sports reporter going to an event? Mm-hmm. Because I've been I've been sitting here covering all of this <laughs> from my kitchen with my plants beside me thinking, yeah. wow, if I want dinner, I can take three steps and look into the fridge or I have everything I need around me. And so I've really been challenging myself to think okay why did we need to be at the events Mm. and of course I can make a pretty compelling argument because my livelihood depends on it (laughs) as a sports order to my bosses (laughs) to send me on the road again as I get ready to go to Tokyo for two months but I think what we need to do is we need to get back to storytelling. Mm -hmm. We need to get back to what it means to be in the venue and to be the eyes for the audience who isn't there to see the things that happen in the crowd, to see the exchange at the back of the sheet of ice between two players that was off camera, that tells a story and provide analysis. We need to evolve in our storytelling to a place of just objectively regurgitating this, that, and then this happened to be a little more nuanced to say, I am the expert here. I've Mm -hmm. watched thousands of hours of curling and this is what I actually saw today. I think if we can get to that place and get into a little bit more nuanced, humanity-driven storytelling, I think in the wake of this pandemic, we're gonna serve the audience a lot better. I've seen it. Because that's what I hear from the audience. That's my aim in everything that I cover. And I think it resonates with people. I really do. Nobody will ever know what it's like to be an Olympic curler, to be a professional athlete, but they do know what it's like to experience heartbreak, mm-hmm. triumph, yes. and every emotion in between. That's what I aim to bring in every sport I cover.
1: Well, it's, it's something we can all relate to, right? Right. We can right. all relate to that no matter what your walk of life is, no matter your age, your background, your your cultural upbringing. We can all relate to triumph, tragedy and heartbreak.
2: That's it. That's it. Right. And, and we and, can all relate to play.
1: Oh yes. Yes.
0: Right? Like this we've all like this whether it's like a really 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 close game of Monopoly or right like this or being in it like this mm-hmm. and like feeling your heart go and yep. you know, we can all like this and the, and the oh so
2: close and right. the, and oh my god i
0: can't believe I, do, I,
2: I did that right yeah we all and, know and, that and haven't we been missing that yes, yeah god, right haven't we been missing so that? much this gets to um a little bit of my journey as being a sports reporter who grew up in saskatoon who came out publicly as a gay sports editor at the mm-hmm. University of Saskatchewan newspaper? Mm-hmm. And I now reflect that was 16 years ago I wrote that article and came out publicly. Uh, what I think is at the core of this, and you talk, you know, Douglas, you talk, and, and Paul, you both talk about bad questions. Mm-hmm. I think my being gay is the biggest blessing I could have ever had in my career.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. because mm-hmm. because what it did is it challenged my own privilege and my own existence within the space of sport and we still live in this space of hyper masculinity i would argue toxic masculinity mm-hmm. where a lot of sports journalists don't have the perspective that i have when i go and i cover sport
1: mm-hmm. and for
2: the longest time i would go into these scrums i'd go cover great cups stanley cup playoffs NBA championship, the biggest of the biggest, and I would go in there, I would think about what I was wearing, I would shrink in those rooms around the old guard, and then I would stand there and I would listen to these obnoxious questions they were asking, Mm -hmm. and then I would ask a question that was thoughtful Mm -hmm. and empathic and laced with compassion, and then I'd go and read their stories and I'd look at the quotes they'd use from the scrum. And they were all yours. Whose quotes did they yeah. use? Yeah, of course. Because people want quality. People want quality, but more than anything, people want authenticity, authenticity. and they want to feel like they're connected and that they're being heard. A
0: real what, human
2: a, what, what Naomi Osaka is getting at. Here, Thank you. I was just about to go there. What I truly believe she's getting at is that she is sitting on, behind that microphone and she doesn't seem, feel, or felt, or heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To me, Everything that I do when I approach, whether it be a one-on-one conversation or in a scrum, which I t- treat like a one-on-one, I'm not there with an ego to show all the other reporters how much I know. That's a, that's another problem. But but what we're actually getting at here is athletes wanting to be seen. All of them, they sit up there behind a microphone. And they're you know, maybe just coming off the court after a huge win or a heartbreaking loss, and they just want to be treated like a human in that moment. I think if we can elevate the conversation to that, and it's a dance, right? Mm-hmm. It is a dance and a give and take between the reporter and the athlete. And I think when we think about sort of communication models and how it's been for such a long time, it's always been receiver, sender, one-way communication that's not how it is anymore. It is a give and take. We need to be sharing. We need to be uh, trying to connect to the energetic level of the athlete. And I think if we can do that, we're going to serve our audience a lot better. And I, I really believe that's what Osaka was trying to do. It's unfortunate, you guys, that she actually had to pull out and sort (laughs) of had to scream Mm -hmm. for help. She had to very overtly say, guys, I, I suffer from depression. She tried to do it in a subtle way.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Nobody heard that. Yeah. Then she had to say, I'm removing myself. I suffer from depression. I mean, if you go back and if you watch those those interviews and, and her body language and her it's facial obvious. expressions yep. after that debacle in 2018 between yep. Serena and Naomi at the U.S. Yep. Open, she actually talks about that, that mm-hmm. that was really the moment where everything changed for her. We yeah. sometimes forget that these superhuman athletes are just like you and I. And she and was a can teenager. Remember that. She was a teenager. Yeah, I mean, yeah. who could have been prepared to take on the Goliath in the sport, in the Coliseum, that yeah. is Arthur Ashe Stadium, the largest right. tennis stadium in the world, and with all of that in, drama?
0: And everyone in the crowd, too.
2: Mm. It was, it was crazy. They booed her. They booed her.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: Anybody, anybody would have wilted under that. And I think that sort of set the tone and, and the other thing of it, and I know we see this a lot. There are a lot of examples of this in women's tennis, that these young women ascend to greatness so quickly, Bianca mm -hmm. Rescue, Jeannie Bouchard. And all of a sudden they go from being able to walk down the street one day to not being able to go anywhere the next day. And I think as a society, as reporters, as coaches, as counselors, therapists, this is a community effort to understand that they are people, they are humans. Let's remember that when we're asking them tough questions. I think there's a reckoning within sport that we are only on the precipice of, and this is, you know, the tip of the iceberg and and it's not going to change without those in power kicking and screaming. I can can talk about investigations I've done at CBC over the last few years that looked into sexual abuse in amateur sport in this country Mm -hmm. for the first time, uh, that looked at uh, a lack of BIPOC representation in all levels of sport in this country. And what I'll say is there's a common thread in a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And so um, there is a dismantling that's happening. It makes people uncomfortable. But I truly believe that it is in those uncomfortable situations and an interrogation of self that we're able to push through this. And I think it's going to create a much healthier athletic domain for all levels of sport. I'm doing my part as a one of few national gay, openly out sports mm-hmm. reporter. Uh, you know that isn't easy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know there are a lot of my peers and colleagues out there that don't want me in their space. Mm-hmm. I feel it. I feel it. It's not as overt now, um, but it's still there.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: It's changing, uh, but I'm thankfully. Not, I'm not going anywhere. Good, I'm not going good. Anywhere, don't either. go anywhere
1: because we love yeah. having
2: no, you. No, man. no, no.
0: Oh, no, no, no. Quality people stay <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um. So, I. I but I'm. I'm glad you brought there. You brought it there because. Uh. I. I know that we. We. We have a bit of a time crutch because you have some. Uh. You have a broadcast to do, uh. But you brought it somewhere, and it was something I wa- I wanted to talk to you about, um. Because you are a journalist, and you are. Um. Uh. Like you said, often in the toxic male environments because you weren't always doing olympics right like you were like in in the rooms like with like football and like yes. high testosterone at some point yes. and like right now you know like you have you know you found your voice and everything and like and people love you or don't like this but you know there's no reason not to love you you, <laughs> you know you do great stuff so uh so you know some people have bad taste. what can I say? Uh, but, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> do I lie? Uh, no. so, but it's um, I'm sure you didn't start out with this voice. No no right So how 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 how, how what, what were your like your first times on camera like and how did you get to where you are?
2: Really, really intuitive question. Douglas, um, probably the most important question out of this whole thing. And and thank you for this, this opportunity. Um, I can remember hating the way I looked and sounded on TV. I hated everything about how gay I looked and how gay I sounded and how much I was going to be judged for that. Um, And I remember... (laughs) This is so stupid and sad in this moment. It almost makes me want to cry in this moment because I can remember one of the first television stories I ever did for CBC in my career, 19 years old. I had this platinum blonde hair um, and I was leading our coverage of these homes along the South Saskatchewan River in Saskatoon slumping down the riverbank. And I was doing stand up uh, on cameras And then this was the first time we were starting to put video clips online on CBC. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I made the fatal, fatal error of reading the comments.
1: Oh, don't ever do
2: that. (laughs) It was the best thing to learn, you know, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. But they were laced with a lot of homophobic comments. Of
1: course, yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah.
2: And I can remember how devastating it was. It was a Friday, and I remember that entire weekend. I was devastated, and I phoned my managing editor at the time, and I said, "I don't know if I can be a reporter. I don't know if I am. I don't know if I am cut out to do this." And then, 22 years old, I moved to Calgary I'm the lead breaking news reporter there, mm-hmm. Kathleen Petty you know, wonderful voice, was a host of uh, CBC Radio, The House, just a powerhouse in the industry. She takes over the CBC Calgary newsroom. I thought I was this hotshot dude that had it all figured out. She pulls me into her office. She says, what's the shtick you do with your hands and your voice? She said, here's some real talk. I think you've created a persona to distance yourself from the audience so that if they don't like you, it's actually not Devin Haru they don't like, it's this persona you've mm. created. She said, you know what, you're pretty good at this. And you're even better when you're authentic. And literally you guys, since that moment, my career has hit different levels. I've been able to connect with the audience in a different way. And it really it really became crystallized in Pyeongchang where I decided that I'm gonna tweet with joy I'm going to report with passion and I'm going to be the most authentic storyteller and communicator I've been. This hasn't been easy. You know, they tell us in broadcast, Mm. stand there, do this, do that. I think authentically communicating in front of a microphone and camera is the, one of the hardest things you can do. And yet here's the catch. You have to make it look super seamless and easy. Yeah. Yeah. Those two things are so polar opposite. It's like, chill out, but be authentic, but be the uh, uh, And all these things are happening at once. And I'm going, I just want to be me. Yeah. Yeah. And now I am. And I, and I, and I, it comes
1: through, it comes through, dude. It totally comes through.
2: I hope, I hope. It's the the big
1: coffee tweets that I love. (laughs) <laughs> the bowls of coffee sorry sorry didn't mean to cut you off there but it's the giant bowls of coffee I'm Yeah, am like yeah, yes. yeah, yeah.
2: and that's real that's real
0: kids we hope that you have enjoyed this interview Devin was generous with his time and thus we have an extended two-part interview for you to enjoy we talk of course about sports but also you know about olympics and finding your authentic voice the full interview should be available in the coming days kids it's your eager beaver here and I'm just so happy that so many of us have gotten vaccinated, that we're doing what we need in order to you know, protect ourselves from COVID, not spread it and stop it from mutating, because it's really important that we do that. 70% of us have gotten our first shot, and over 56% of us have gotten our second. This is good. This is really good. Canada's really going for the gold. But about 6 million of us are still unvaccinated who are eligible And everybody in Canada who is 11 years of age and younger is still not vaccinated. So we're not done
1: yet. Mr. Grizzly? Well, you know, science is your friend. Talk to your doctor if you have concerns. And for those who have probably read something on social media somewhere, or seen something in a video of YouTube or something of that sort, telling you that there's metal in the uh, vaccine, or that it's an experiment that was rushed to market just to you know, try and handle the pandemic. I can tell you unequivocally that is not true. There's no 5G chip. There isn't, because that technology doesn't exist to insert into a human being through a vaccine, number one. There is no metal in the vaccine, number two. And it's not new. Remember SARS in Toronto about 17, 18 years ago? Almost 19 years ago now? That was a coronavirus. This is SARS-CoV-2 it's a variation of the same thing they have been researching diligently for almost 20 years with the latest state-of-the-art technological scientific and medical advances do not worry about the vaccine from that standpoint it is completely safe I myself fully vaccinated and I'm allergic to everything there is under the Sun so if I had the uh, strength and lack of fear to get this, I was actually quite excited to get the vaccine. Please, if you are doubting yourself, just talk to your doctor. They know best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it's a matter of culture, talk to
0: someone that you know and that you trust. Absolutely. i have received the vaccine. You know, I know that there's a lot of people that are still hesitant and, and many for very valid reasons and that is okay but please 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 the Delta variant is 1.8 times more communicable and especially in close settings and there are such thing as breakthrough infections mm-hmm. if you're around anyone 11 years of age or younger the elderly someone who's immunocompromised or someone who can't take the
1: vaccine for a legitimate medical reason yeah. you run the risk of uh... Making somebody else sick, and I know nobody wants to do that, right?
0: Yeah, so please, 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 please do what you need to do to keep the tribe alive. Hell yeah. And we're back. At this point in the show, Mr. Grizzly and I would like to offer our gratitude to the kids out there who have liked what we do and have kindly tipped us so that we may keep going. We were fortunate enough to get some feedback on our Indigenous Issues episode.
1: Kit Patrick writes, I enjoyed the podcast. It was accurate and current. Near the start, there was a part where Mr. Grizzly said something along the lines of, at least we aren't shooting each other up here. But then you later corrected it with the section about the police. Another example that came to mind was Colton Bushy who was shot in the back of the head by a farmer who was found not guilty because the defense was allowed to challenge and exclude all Native jurors as they had a bias of race. Again, great podcast. I really like the news at the end of the segment. Thanks, Kit Patrick. And a big thanks also to Kit Linda for writing in about our extended interview on Indigenous allyship etiquette. This one was a really outstanding episode. I'm listening to it again today to further absorb the excellent advice on being an ally.
0: Oh, wow, well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, that's uh, That one, the, the episode meant a lot to us. It really did. Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, th- thank you, uh, everyone, for uh, letting us know that resonated with you as well. Um, I also have a self-correction <clears throat> and an apology to Mr. Grizzly's mom. Upon re-listening to our part one of our Pride episode, I noticed that I had let slip an F-bomb. I've been pretty good at avoiding them, but that one slipped out undetected. And the actual funny thing is that I had one written into the script because I was a little passionate, and I noticed it while I was reading it and and changed it, and yet I managed (laughs) to put one in anyway, (laughs) despite correcting one on the fly that was (laughs) Anyway, so it seems one was destined to be in the show no matter what. Oops, sorry. One past the goalie. Yeah. Well, thank you for all this great feedback. We truly do appreciate it. And if you have a comment, constructive criticism, something you'd like us to talk about on the show, news about something good that happened to you, or something good in which you are involved, well, we want to hear about it. So do let us know. You can write to us on our True North Eager Beaver page on Facebook, or you can tweet us at True Eager. We would be overjoyed to hear from you. Now, usually at this point, we like to take a quick look at stories that didn't make us want to mix plaids and polka dots. Yes, it's back. The cool news. Kits, the moment for which gay athletes have been waiting for finally happened. An active male player in one of the big four North American pro sports came out of the closet. Las Vegas Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib came out as gay by simply stating
1: matter of factly via Instagram. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say I'm gay. I've been meaning to do this for a while now, but I finally feel comfortable enough to get it off my chest.
0: Oh, Mr. Grizzly, I'm so proud of you.
1: Oh, you were reading the quote. <laughs>
0: Like I said, I like putting words in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're so red right now. I love it. (laughs) Oh, God. Um. (laughs) Uh, The five-season veteran entering his sixth donated $100,000 to the Trevor Project, an American organization that focuses on suicide prevention for LGBTQ youth. Uh, Sorry, I giggled through that part. Uh, um. The news was greeted positively by the
1: league. The NFL matched the donation with Commissioner Roger Goodell stating, The NFL family is proud of Carl for courageously sharing his truth today. Representation matters. Nassib's teammate, quarterback Derek Carr, was quick to let it be publicly known. If no one else has your back, I will. Nassib mused aloud, I actually hope that one day videos like this and the whole coming out process are just not necessary. But until then, I'm going to do my best to cultivate a culture that's accepting and compassionate. Let's hope
0: this gives permission for others to do so too. Which of hockey, baseball, or basketball will be next? Update. Ask the question and it shall be answered. The very day after I wrote this, hockey player Luke Prokop came out. Now, while he is not yet an active NHL player... He was selected in the third round by the Nashville Predators in the 2020 draft and has signed a three-year entry-level contract. He played last season for the Calgary Hitmen of the Western Hockey League and was an alternate captain, so he's got the goods. And when he does, he'll, he will be entering the NHL as openly out. Prokop, who credits the NFL's Nassibs coming out as inspiration, says the team has offered its
1: full support. The Nashville Predators organization is proud of Luke for the courage he is displaying in coming out today, and we will support him unequivocally in the days, weeks, and years to come as he continues to develop as a prospect. A long stated goal in our organization is equality for all, including the LGBTQ community, and it is important that Luke feels comfortable and part of an inclusive environment as he moves forward in his career. Stated Predators president and CEO, Sean Henry.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's That's not just like the passing statement, right? No, that's there's some thought into that.
1: There's weight behind that one. Yeah, it's not. It's not a lighthearted statement by any stretch of the imagination. It really isn't. We like this. We like this. Yeah. Yeah. Team captain Roman Josie chimed in with. Our message as a team is that we're obviously very supportive of him. We just reached out and told him we'll help with whatever he needs. And we're proud of him. It's a big step for him and we fully support him. Again, yeah, meaty substantive statement. It, they're not kidding around. Like, yeah, this they mean is, business.
0: I like this. I this, like this. These are people. more and more. We
1: want more. Well, yeah, because it's, it, they're not frightened by the fact that he's gay, or, or why should they be? Well, it's like the saying goes, right? If you can play, you, you can, can play. play. Period. <laughs> period. Yeah.
0: Yeah. In recalling the support he received for from assistant general manager. Ryan Poyle, the first person from the team whom Procop reached out, Procop
1: Beams. I remember getting off that phone call and tears just started coming from my eyes. I was so excited. And in that moment, I thought, this is what it's going to feel like for the rest of my life, for them to show that support that they did in that moment. It felt like I can rule the world. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: It costs nobody anything.
1: Nope. Nope. You delivered on your humanity and it cost you nothing. Way
0: to go, Luke. Way to go, Nashville Predators. Way to go, Carl. Way to go, NFL. Way to go, Raiders. Just. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Equality, That's, man. That,
0: props. Props.
1: Respect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I never thought I'd say that about the National Football League. And yet here I am. Respect. There, there you go.
0: Canada, it seems, will finally be putting an end to its discriminatory ban on blood donations from gay and bisexual
1: men. In a release statement, Canadian Blood Services announced it is confirming that our goal is indeed to remove the current waiting period for men who have sex with men and use sexual behavior-based screening for all donors instead. To this end, we intend to make a submission recommending this change to Health Canada, our regulator, by the end of 2021. According to Press Progress, Beginning in 1992, Canada imposed a lifetime ban on blood donations from men who have sex with men, after thousands of Canadians were infected with HIV and hepatitis C through tainted blood products. That policy changed in 2013 to allow it if the donor abstained from being sexually active with another man for at least five years. That period dropped to one year and eventually three months in 2019. The liberal, liberal government
0: has been accused of dragging its heels. In response, it has claimed that the policy is not one set by Health Canada, but rather by the Canadian Blood Services, an arm's-length agency. Between 2013 and 2019, the policy had changed three times. Between each change, at least two years passed between updates. Why is that, you may ask? Good question. Turns out, While it may be true that the policy was set at the agency, documents obtained by CTV reveal that the reason for which the evolution of policy was so slow is because Health Canada required or requested,
1: it isn't actually clear, two year intervals between such policy changes in order to monitor potential blood safety impacts of the updated donor screening criteria. And for those who are looking for parallel, that's specifically what Doug Ford has
0: done in Ontario with the COVID reopening policy. Opening, here, the period waiting time was three weeks between stages, seeing what happens and see if you can open again. So they were doing this with blood, but they were putting a two-year, what science was behind the two-year period? Yeah, I don't know. We don't know. Um, but but it is the same principle at mm-hmm. play. The argument that Health Canada plays no role in setting Canadian Blood Services policy was also recently rejected in court when Federal Court Justice Richard Southcott dismissed a request by the Attorney General of Canada on behalf of Health Canada to obtain a judicial review of a Canadian Human Rights Commission decision to send the case of one Christopher Karras forward for investigation by the Canadian Human Rights Tribunal. Karras brought a complaint against Health Canada forward in 2016, accusing the Department of Discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation
1: through its role in upholding the Canadian Blood Services policy. I'm elated. I do believe this is an important decision made by the federal court, but the policy is still not eliminated, so I'm waiting to see that, said Karras. Since his initial
0: application, that period has dropped from one year to three months. Hey, Mr. Grizzly, you know when they say you first got to recognize people's rights and then other things will follow? Oh, yes, of course. Well, here's an example of this. In 2017, Canada amended the Canadian Human Rights Act, as well as hate speech and hate crimes laws, to include gender identity and gender expression as protected grounds of discrimination. It's a good thing, right? How does that show up in real life? Mm. In July 2020, the Canadian Coast Guard uniform catalog started shifting away from male and female uniforms to uniforms labeled as style A and style B that put more
1: emphasis on size and fit. makes sense. Yeah. According to the CBC, The current styles, now known as A and B, will be reworked into more modernized gender neutral designs with an eye to diversity and functionality. The uniform's headgear collection recently saw the addition of a hijab and turban, and there are plans to add a sports patka, a head covering worn by Sikhs, and UV protective clothing. The Coast Guard's new uniforms are expected to be ready by mid-winter 2022. Visibility at all cost, visibility at any cost.
0: That was the LGBTQ community's strategy for the longest time in the 1980s and 1990s, when more and more among us were being encouraged to come out of the closet. Well, it was a great past few weeks for transgender visibility. First, barriers were broken at the Emmy Awards when transgender actress Micaela Antonia J. Rodriguez, also known as MJ Rodriguez, became the first transgender person to earn a much-deserved and long-awaited leading acting nomination for her role as Blanca Rodriguez on the absolutely amazing FX series Pose. Then 27 year old model and actress Lena Bloom became the first ever transgender woman to grace the cover of the famous Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. This year's edition celebrated black women with three covers featuring each Bloom, rapper Megan Thee Stallion and tennis sensation
1: Naomi Osaka. This moment heals a lot of pain in the world said Bloom via Instagram. We deserve this moment. We have waited millions of years to show up as survivors and be seen as full humans filled with wonder. I have dreamt for a million beautiful dreams, but for girls like me, most dreams are just fanciful hopes in a world that often erases and omits our history and even existence. This moment is so powerful because it allows me to live forever, even after my physical form is gone. Not a lot of people get to live in the future, so at this moment, I'm proudly choosing to live forever. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty heavy.
0: Yeah, 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 That's meaningful. I mean, but that's that's the importance of firsts, right? Absolutely. When you've never seen it before and you're the first one then you'll forever be remembered. It's you know, you you hear the doors coming down, right? Yeah, she
1: she uh, she kind of nailed it on the head.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, there she speaks like a poet, I tell you. Oh hell yeah. Oh. And uh, to Sports Illustrated's credit. This is not the first time they've given visibility to a transgender model. Last year's swimsuit edition featured then 23-year-old Brazilian model Valentina Sampaio within the spread. This increase in visibility seems to be a solid trend. A recent PBS NewsHour NPR Marist poll in the USA revealed that more than half of Americans, 53% of Democrats, 37, 39% of Republicans, and 61% of Independents, claim to personally know someone who's transgender now that's a big deal mm-hmm. yeah yeah because, that's i mean that's, that's yeah. a big deal on, on two levels right there's people that are trans and living out and openly and then there's people willing to admit to a stranger that's right? growth going on a poll, yeah that they they know know
1: and love people who are transgender so yeah you know, visibility makes a difference right it, it really represent, does representation yeah. matters and it's just just humanity mm-hmm.
0: You know, Absolutely. When you see actually people, you know, living their lives and you know, they're not scary anymore, right? It's yeah. just they're doing the you know, I remember that back in the days when we we're gay. It's like the gay agenda, watch as they watch in horror as they do their laundry, gasp in shock as they <laughs> prepare dinner. You know,
1: it's like So if you recruit me, do I get a toaster oven? Or is it a microwave? I can't remember. <laughs> remember that episode of Ellen? Yes. At the very end, her coming out episode. At the very end of the episode, uh, it was she's like, "Oh, say, do you want the toaster oven or the microwave?" She's like, "I'll take the toaster oven. I have a microwave." Of course, it was you know sort of a <laughs> tongue in cheek slap in the face to all those people who thought there was a recruitment drive going on. Yeah,
0: I keep on saying back in our days, it was like when you're at the carnival, you had to trade in ten toaster ovens to get your microwave. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okie dokie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but um, in addition, the same PBS poll, however, and this is really interesting, showed that age is a factor. 63% of, as they say in the States, Gen Z, Gen and Z. <laughs> millennial voters saying they do, and while just 28% of people over 74 years old claiming the same.
1: What's a Z? I know what a Z is. Is that the same thing? Yes. I'm being a pe- pedantic. Apparently, it's supposed to be equivalent. Oh, well, it's, it's not. It's bloody English. Can't they speak it right, man? They left. Apparently. apparently. <laughs> it shows they can't spell color or neighbor right. Um, favorite, that's um. all spelt wrong. <laughs> colonel is pronounced colonel. Lieutenant is pronounced lieutenant. I don't understand what's going on.
0: But we digress. We digress. We digress. <laughs> um so yeah so even though more than half of Americans now right admit that they claim to personally know someone who's trans- transgender just five years ago according to a Pew research survey that number was less than a third of Americans that's
1: a lot of growth in a short time period five years that's that's saying something visibility at all costs yeah and and you know what it's it's working it's working it's working over. Okay. We'll be right back.
0: Hello, Mr. Grizzly. Hey, how you doing? I am doing very well. My name is Kranz. Do you like a good night out at the theater?
1: Well, indeedy, who doesn't? Come on, good Mm. night out at the theater is always a good time.
0: Then you may quite enjoy Studio 13's newest production, Kranz and Bernardo, a new work by emerging Canadian playwright Tyler Matthews. Kranz and Bernardo are trapped inside a cardboard box. Their task? To solve the mysterious algorithm scrawled on the walls around them. As time runs out, they cling to, care for, and abuse the only hope they have left. Each other. Starring Douglas Connors, Jordan Prentice, and Nathan Yee, Kranz and Bernardo explores the absurdity of life, death, and violence in the vein of Beckett and Pinter. Kranz and Bernardo is being presented as part of Kingston's Storefront Fringe Festival and can be seen live from August 5th through 7th at the Baby Grand Theater. And if you prefer to enjoy theater at home, you can take us home with you via streaming, from August 2nd to 15th. For tickets and more information, visit theaterkingston.com backslash
1: fringe hyphen 2021. Well, that sounds like an absolutely smashing idea. Perhaps I'll invite uh, my compatriots, uh, Sir Red and Sir Blacks. So they like to go to the theater, you know. They are two uh, sophisticated gentlemen sirs who very much would attend an evening of theater. Well, then we
0: will try to provide them a night of entertainment.
1: Magnificent, sir. (laughs) Magnificent.
0: (laughs) See you there. Yes, sir. Well, kids, that's the end of this episode of the eager beaver podcast. We hope you loved listening to us because we loved making this for you. And a big heartfelt thank you to our much-admired interview guest, Devin Haru. Hope you're having a blast in Tokyo. You won't wanna miss our two-part extended interview coming soon. We welcome feedback in the form of compliments, bribes to be on the show, constructive criticism, gentle corrections if we got anything factually incorrect, happy stories of things that have happened to you or your dear ones, And in participation in our Listener's Challenge, we want to know what your summer plans are. You can do all of that on our Facebook blog page, The True North Eager Beaver, or at True Eager on Twitter. If you really like this podcast, you can find us on Google, Spotify, Apple, and Mixcloud. So tell your friends. And finally, if you really, really liked this podcast and wish to encourage us to do more, we work for tips. Please feel free to buy a cup of coffee for uh, Mr. Grizzly here or a mug of hot chocolate for me via our coffee page at ko-fi.com backslash beaver, all in lowercase letters. From the Beaver Lodge, this is your eager beaver saying, until next time, dear kids, it can be a tough world out there, so be kind and gentle with yourself. Any words of wisdom, Mr. Grizzly?
1: Well, none today, I'm afraid. Tired. And That's good. I've been staying up late watching the Olympics. Go, Canada, go.
0: <laughs> the True North Eager Beaver podcast is an Eager Beaver Mr. Grizzly collaboration. Copy written by The Eager Beaver. Recording, production, and editing by Mr. Grizzly. Music courtesy of Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. Once again, thank you to our founding sponsors, The Peppermaster. The Misty Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing and canadiantarot.com. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you.